You're live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. We are Canada's number one tech radio show. We've got uh, a great program uh, for you today. We are uh, going to be chatting about the future of streaming. It looks like more people are streaming now than have cable. A lot of the big players, including Netflix, um, coming out with ad-supported streaming options. So to get the price down they have or will have options where you can pay a lower price, but there's going to be commercials in uh, in the stream. So we'll uh, talk about what that might look like. We're also going to be talking about uh, those little portable printers, the ones that uh, can print out uh, little photographs uh, from your, your smartphone camera. You know, John, I literally have, God, must be like 18,000 photos on my iPhone, and I just don't print them anymore. So this is kind of a cool option. Yeah, and we're going to talk about some of the challenges that are uh, with the printers that are out there right now. We'll also be chatting about an interesting story, how a a certain song by Janet Jackson back back in the day in the early 2000s actually crashed computer hard drives because of the the frequency in which some of the the music was playing in. Kind of an interesting story. Let's uh, get to some of the uh, the tech news. Uh, we, we've been talking a little bit about the, the metaverse, uh, John, you know, the virtual reality headsets. I guess the, the big one would be Facebook's Meta Quest 2 headset. We both have them, and, you know, we've been playing around, experimenting uh, in them. Uh, Facebook has something called Horizon Worlds in there. That's where you can go in and create your own avatar, you know, kind of a likeness of you, however you want to look. Uh, in the uh, the virtual space, uh, interact, chat with uh, others, even play games. But it's been facing a lot of criticism and, and a lot of people poking fun at how, I guess, crappy the, <laughs> the actual avatars look. Yeah, it's really interesting because uh, this all started because they've expanded the country support for Horizons World. They've added France and Spain and of course, Mark Zuckerberg had a, a selfie in the metaverse and they had basically a representation of the, uh, the Eiffel Tower in there and uh, a few other things, a few other landmarks from Europe. And everyone commented on how bad his avatar looks and <laughs> that it looks like have they, have they like seen a really real bad. <laughs> well, he kind of looks like an avatar. Yeah. Um, but so he was just raked over the coals on on the internet about this and how awful it looks so he was forced to basically um comment on this and he he said there's some big updates coming to uh, the sort of the system that works in the meta headset uh, for creating your avatars that you'll have much more options you'll have high resolution and so he actually posted uh, an updated version of his avatar and it looks a little bit more like him um, a lot of people also complained that it looks like a render as opposed to an actual avatar it's just really interesting because you know I'll, it, if you are even remotely into the video game space, creating your own avatars is a big thing about an experience in these video games. And it just feels like Meta hasn't quite figured that out yet, that how important it is to be able to be customized uh, and and actually have something that represents you uh, in these virtual spaces. And they just seem to be really, you know, they're, they're spending literally billions of dollars on this system. And, uh, uh, like I think last year they 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 spent over ten billion dollars on the metaverse 
uh, efforts that they're under that are underway. And I don't know if that's just for software or that's the hardware as well. Probably, um, it's not but, the avatars. <laughs> no, it's definitely not the avatars. Uh, a lot of people are complaining that they kind of look like really bad Sims characters from like two thousand and four. Yeah, and uh, you know, and so it's just kind of like you know, if you want to get people compelled to be in this space and have an avatar we all have seen you know video games but we've also seen the matrix so yeah and and having this representation of yourself in this virtual world is very important you and i've been kind of monkeying around with this we're actually having our um our meetings in in virtual reality so we've got you know our own characters do you care that much about how it i mean it looked okay to me like my avatar and yours no i get it's not going to be like a a full you know 3d photorealistic version of me no and, and i don't want it to be a photorealistic version of myself that's no. the whole point of this i think it gives you the, the chance to be you know like i i got criticized by some coworkers that well you look really young in your avatar i'm like <laughs> well i'm not gonna make my face wrinkly and old and get rid of all my hair like i don't have to that's the that's the beauty of these types of systems is you can be whatever you want you, you could be you know a couch as an avatar if you wanted to be you yeah. know that type of thing like you don't have to be something that completely represents your 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 actual self um i just wish there was a lot more options because you know you can't even change the color of your shirt you have to pick an outfit that's been predetermined by meta yeah. so having the you know that kind of thing or maybe having the ability to like put your own company logo on your shirt or something like that you know in the metaverse makes a lot of sense um but the the options that we have now are very limited, especially compared to, like I said off the beginning, to what you can do in a in a typical video game nowadays. Well, we'll be uh, keeping on on top of this story. Uh, you know, not everyone's using these virtual headsets yet, but it's coming. Like they're becoming more and more popular, and the prices are coming down on them. And 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 the software and the experiences that you can use while you've got the headset on are improving uh, as well. Uh, another story, John, that uh, kind of piqued my interest, uh, Tesla, they've got their full self-driving mode that you can purchase. I think it's going up to $15,000 <laughs> down in the US, which is crazy for a beta software that's not even fully baked yet. Uh, but some people are testing it out, I guess on mannequins and now real kids. Yeah, there was an advocacy group that uh, did a did a sort of a crash test with mannequins to see how well um, the self driving system in a you know controlled intersection would actually react to say a child running out, and uh, it didn't look good for Tesla because of the fact that uh, it basically totally mowed down the the mannequins, and so this created a huge uproar from all the Tesla nerds that said, "Hey, no, it works better than that," and I'm willing to bet my own kid on this and so somebody actually a a tesla owner put his child in front of his car and they made videos of this well everybody wants these videos down tesla wants them down youtube took down the ones uh from the actual child being put in harm's way and uh, i wouldn't be surprised if there's actually not charges pending against that particular person on that case what an idiot. So this guy, his name's Tad Park. Uh, he's a Tesla owner and investor. And I guess he didn't like the mannequin videos. So he put uh, a couple of his own kids on the road in front of his Model 3 Tesla. And in one instant had him, instance, just had uh, the kids standing there. And the Tesla thankfully stopped. 
uh, and then another one uh, crossing the street. And again, thankfully, the Tesla stopped. But what kind of crazy person would, would put any human in front of that to test it out? Well, uh, who are you trying to prove? What are you trying to prove? That your car is good? Like, it's not going to help anything in this case. It's not, nothing's officially sanctioned by Tesla. Tesla does not like or want any of this kind of dialogue happening on the internet. And it just looks, looks really bad for all the, the Tesla diehards that they're this brainwashed that they're going to like, oh, I'll just throw my kids in front of it to prove that it works. So the guy did say, and this is a quote from him, I've tried the full self-driving beta before and I trust my kids' life with them. Uh, so I'm very confident that I'm, it's going to detect my kids and I'm also in control of the wheel so I can break at any time. So he told this to CNBC and that the car was never traveling more than eight miles an hour and he made sure the car recognized the kid. I think the kid should be behind the wheel and let Tad go in front of the car. <laughs> and and go 80 miles an hour. instead of Exactly. Oh, I, yeah. I don't know. Doesn't that just blow your mind? Yeah. Darwinism is alive and well. I'm, yeah, I, I still don't know what to say there. Uh, but yeah, like I was saying, Tesla's now charging $15,000 for that full self-driving. I think uh, down in the States, you can also get a subscription to it instead of paying that full amount for $200 a month US. That's a yeah. lot, don't you think? It is a lot. Yeah. And... It hasn't really been proven, and it's also probably not really sanctioned in a lot of jurisdictions. No. You'd still have to be fully in control of the car, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, the whole self-driving thing, at least in the U.S., just seems to be messy. I, I saw a video the other day. Waymo, a, a competitor, has a self-driving taxi that you can get in, and I saw a video of someone literally getting into this car. There's nobody in the front seat. And there's a plexiglass shield, so you can't even go and do anything other than press the button. There's a button in the back that you could actually, it's like an emergency stop button. And he was like being taken to his destination. And I'm just like, I don't think I'm quite ready for that yet, unless it's on a controlled course. <laughs> right? Or somewhere and like I'm, super I'm flat. I'm a bubble wrap suit. Yeah. And somewhere really flat with no curve, curve roads or, <laughs> or anything. No children. Yeah. Just mannequins. Uh, we're going we're gonna to have to take a break here on Get Connected. When we come back, uh, we'll be talking about some of the new ad-supported streaming services that are, are about to uh, hit us, including one from Netflix. You're listening to Get Connected here on the Course Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. Netflix, Disney+, Plus, Amazon Prime, these are some of the big streaming services uh, out there right now. It's gotten very competitive uh, and uh, depending on what numbers you're looking at more people are streaming their tv shows and movies than getting them on cable uh, i actually i john i cut the cord back a, a few years ago i know you still have cable and you have most of the streaming services uh, as well but you know how long much longer do you think you'll keep cable well i i just have like the basic cable yeah. the the package that you can get from telus that gives you like just a handful of channels. So I get all my local news and, and that type of stuff. And, and then a, a handful of other shows or channels that I watch on a fairly regular basis. But um, yeah, I only got it or kept it because it was very inexpensive and part of my bundle that I got. I got a great deal on 
uh, fiber uh, internet. So the the TV was almost free included in that bundle. So yeah. I didn't care. And I do like to PVR stuff occasionally. And So, like I said, streaming has become very competitive. Netflix has been taking a few hits over the past year because they are not growing as fast as they used to. Other guys uh, like Disney Plus are just killing it right now. They are adding a huge chunk of subscribers. Um, they have their Disney Plus. They've got Hulu in the U.S. and also ESPN uh, streaming services. And between the three of them, they're actually beating Netflix uh, now. Of course, Amazon Prime is uh, huge. Paramount Plus is another streaming service. So some of these guys now are looking to add even more by having cheaper prices for their streaming. You know, when Netflix first came out, John, what was it, like $7 a month? Yeah, yeah, it was it was like a no-brainer. And there was a lot of content because there was no other streaming services out there. So Netflix was able to make, you know, some pretty skookum deals with all the uh, the studios. But now all these studios, like the Disneys and Paramounts, actually have their own streaming services. So, you know, Netflix uh, wisely over the years started really, you know, putting a lot of money, literally billions of dollars into creating their their own content. But they see their growth now in by having a, a cheaper tier now. I think I'm paying 20 bucks a month for Netflix. So they're looking at having, you know, kind of in the $10 range, but that would also include commercials uh, as well. Would that be something you're interested in, John, or is it, you know, the extra 10 bucks worth not having commercials? It, well, it's a question that I always think about. Like we, we've talked about like, what if social media, like Facebook lets you pay 10 bucks a month to get rid of the ads? Would you still use it? Would you pay for it? Or would you just live with the ads? I don't know. I, it's interesting because I do still have regular cable and you kind of forget how bad cable TV is for ads. Yeah. It, you, there's a you lot. Switch over to, yeah. You switch over to Netflix and it's like, oh, this is, this is nice. There's no ads. Although there's no, you have to remember like, oh, I can just press pause. <laughs> it's yeah. supposed to real TV. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I've actually been considering getting rid of a few of my streaming services and just focus on the ones that I like. I really like Amazon's content lately and it's included with my prime membership. So it's like, I don't even have to think about it. Whereas Netflix just seems to get more and more expensive. I'm finding less and less content there and um, I can just watch it at my girlfriend's house on her account. Yeah. So another thing, uh, and, and these are just kind of rumors right now uh, about the Netflix ad supported uh, option you won't be able to download the shows for offline viewing either, which kind of makes sense. You know, obviously they got to take out a few features to, to make it cheaper. I just wonder how many people use that, that feature, John? Well, I mean, I use it every time I go on a plane. Yeah. So, or go on a trip when, where I, I, I don't know what I'm going to have on the other side. And if I need to find some entertainment at night to, or, or while I'm traveling. So I think that's a pretty big deal. I don't know why they couldn't just include ads in the downloads. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that would make sense. And, and even I, then they could they could charge a premium for the advertisers for that feature because you're got a captive audience that's on a plane watching your your ads. Yeah. So another thing that Netflix uh is testing and we've talked a bit about this as well. I know a lot of people actually share their Netflix accounts. You know, when you get like the $20 one, you can have several people using it at the same time. The idea was that it's supposed to be all in your family and in the same household. And I know many, many people that that's not the case. They, they're they sharing it with their friends 
and, and people that don't live in, in the same house. So they're actually testing this out down in uh, Latin America right now. But I, I expect that to roll out to other countries, don't you? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we know everybody, at least anyone with a big family or, or a good friend network shares their, their Netflix or any of the streaming services because, you know, you spread out that cost across a couple of people or one very generous friend that uh, has that account. And, uh, you know, well, I've got six slots left who wants to log in for Disney or whatever. I, th- I think all of the streaming services will probably start locking down on that as soon as Netflix figures out a way to do it that doesn't alienate their users. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out over the next uh, several years. Uh, you know, at some point, there's going to have to be more consolidation. And I don't know how much of that will happen. You know, we've seen with Warner Brothers, they own um, HBO and, you know, Discovery. They're combining those services into one streaming service. Uh, but, you know, and again, we ask this question all the time, John, like how many streaming services can you have or can you afford on a monthly basis? Right. Yeah. And, you know, fortunately, there seems to be at least for me in uh, in Canada with TELUS and I think some of the other carriers as well, they have the ability where you can bundle in some of your streaming services with your cable bill. Yeah. So um, that that can be a little bit more compelling, but then we're basically right back where we started to having a cable bill. We're going to have to take a break now. When we come back, still a lot more to talk about. Portable printers to print out your photos. You listen to Get Connected. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. Time to talk photos. Important uh, part of uh, many of our uh, lives. Uh, You know, we've been taking photos uh, for, you know, more than 100 years now. But uh, that technology has obviously changed. You know, when we were younger, John, it was all on film. Now it's uh, completely digital for the uh, the most part. And it's almost too many photos <laughs> when I think about it. Uh, how many photos do you got on your, your phone right now, John? Uh, I'm sure it's well over 20,000. Crazy, right? It's, uh, it's, it's pretty mind-blowing, actually. Okay, I just looked on mine. I've got... 24,000 photos and 466 videos on my, my, my iPhone. It, <laughs> so my problem is like, when will I ever look at all those again? Back in the old days, you know, when you had film, it, it was special when you took a photo. Do you know what I mean? Like it was expensive to get them developed. So you weren't going to take like, you know, 10 photos kind of, of of the same thing, which I think, you know, if you look through your photo library on your phone, there would be a lot of duplication. Uh, yeah, there is because you're you're taking like 15 shots of the same thing. Yeah, I just checked. I have 37,000 photos on my phone. Um, back in <laughs> back in the day, I thought I, I used to work in a photo lab, and I actually had free film and developing. So I shot like I had a smartphone back then. Really? That, yeah, that is crazy. So, yeah. but but nowadays, like, I mean, it's in one way we kind of do share them. Like we put them up on social media, the Facebooks. Uh, but yep. we don't really make a lot of physical copies anymore. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about portable printers. And these are like these little pocket printers that... Uh, yeah, they're they're about the size of a smartphone. And um, the, the really interesting thing about them is that you have the ability to take photos as you would with your smartphone. And then you can just basically print them on this device. 
kind of the analog would be uh, like a like an Instax Mini, for example, that uses like the little Polaroid film style. And even Polaroid film uh, has sort of come back in, in various formats from various companies. Uh, so you take a picture with that device and it just pops out the front of it and then you wait five minutes and it develops in front of you. But the nice thing is with these printers, you can just use your smartphone, take any photo you want, and you know you can annotate it, you can put stickers on it, you can put text on it, you can put whatever little fancy frames on it, and then print that out. Um, the nice thing about these things is that they also come in like sticker photos. So uh, recently, my girlfriend was uh, at a store and um, she was talking to the store owner and He's like, oh, do you want to check this thing out? She was looking at getting a, a journal, like a like a book, kind of like a scrapbook, but not more like a journal. And he said, yeah, we, we just use these printers and we take pictures and we they, they have a sticker back and then you stick them into the book. And so that that sort of is better than a drawing, you know, if you're trying to show something or you want to capture a moment in that journal entry and that type of thing. And she thought that was really cool. So she so we started looking at these printers and um, there's a couple interesting technologies out there for this. And one of them is zinc. It's called zero ink. And essentially what it is, is it's a, it's a little printer that you put a cartridge into it and, and then you can print using a Bluetooth connected smartphone app. And it's pretty simple once you yeah. download the app and connect. It yeah. With the phone. Cause like, like, like a traditional printer, you, you would have to put ink in it. But the nice thing with zinc, it doesn't actually use ink. It uses uh, its own process. And basically everything is sort of baked into the print itself. And then when you pair your smartphone and use the app, you hit print, it just pops right out. Um, so that seemed to be sort of what she was really interested in. But then I started looking at all the printers that are out on the market for that technology. And the problem I found is that almost all of them have been discontinued by the manufacturers. So that was a red flag for me. And this is a problem that we talk about a lot with technology is like, okay, so you're relying on a printer that is proprietary. Fortunately, zinc paper doesn't seem to be proprietary. Like there's a number of companies that make that consumable. Yeah. And it's, uh, and it's the, the same size for all of those, those printers, right? Well, no, actually I, I discovered there's like about three or four different oh, size formats okay. you can get. There's wide, there's like extra big, there's square, like all these different things. So I was trying to like figure out, okay, well, okay, the printer's discontinued. How long is the app going to be live for that talks to that printer? Because, you know, there's there's a bunch made by Kodak. There's uh, some made by Canon. There's some made by uh, Polaroid. Uh, and then Zinc themselves make make their own printers as well. And everywhere I looked, Amazon, Walmart, all those different places, oh, it's been discontinued. So it's been flagged by these websites that it's not going to be available for long, so buy it now if you want it. And then I'm like, well, how long is the consumable going to be available? So ultimately what we decided on uh, for her needs was we went with the Instax uh, printer because it uses those little film cartridges like the cameras do. And you have an app and you pair it with the printer and you can print it. The nice thing, these printer, these little printers are tiny. They have a battery in it, so you can actually print on the go, you can go out for the day and just print and print and print, uh, or you can just leave it at home and print when you get home on it. But I think the nice thing about it is that you can take it with you um, and it's very, very portable. Um, but the Instax seem to be the best thing because Fuji film that makes Instax 
they're extremely popular that you can buy the, their cameras in like a multitude of different formats and shapes and sizes and colors and all kinds of that kind of lots of accessories for them. And the film is available in a number of different formats. You can get it in color, you can get it in black and white, you can get it with sticker backing. And it it all boils down to roughly between 75 cents and maybe a dollar twenty-five per print. Yeah. That's so, not super so cheap. You, but... you really have to want no, but the nice thing is you're not printing, you're not taking a photo and hoping it turns out. You're you're looking at a photo on your phone and you know it's gonna be good, and then you hit the print button and then you get that photo. So, uh, but the, uh, the challenge with the Instax though, it's not quite as vibrant as the zinc printers can be, which is kind of disappointing because, you know, it seems like this is like beta versus VHS in a lot of ways. Yeah. But the nice thing with the Instax, you can get that film almost anywhere. Zinc seems to be a little bit harder to find, um, you can get it certainly on Amazon and some of the big retailers would have it or electronics stores would have it, but they typically would have to be selling the printers for them to sell the, 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 the consumable as well. But yeah, but no, yeah. I, I've got both actually. Uh, and you know, the zinc printers, I've got like a couple of those. I got one from Polaroid HP. They made, yeah. I think it was called the sprocket or something. I don't know if they're making that yep. still anymore. Yep. And I have, uh, no, it's discontinued. And I think I've got a few of the Fujifilm <laughs> ones as well. They're cool. I don't use them as often as, you know, I, I would like, you know, kind of, they sit in the closet and I forget about them <laughs> for a while, but then I bring them out and they're a lot of fun. You know, if you've got a bunch of people over, you can take photos and print them out. People really appreciate them. Well, because it's a physical memory. It's yeah. not something that's, lo- that's going to be lost on your phone after 10 minutes. Yeah. What I really liked about the apps, though, um, specifically the Instax one, was that you have some really creative options as far as how you can use your photos. So, for example, you know, these things are are very small prints, um, generally like I think two inches by three inches is sort of the standard size. So it's a fairly small photo, but there's different ways you can sort of chop up your photo and it'll actually um, take one photo, make it into two or three prints. So then you can have like a little triptych or, you know, uh, um, two photos that, you know, side by side are the full photo. And it, you can have some really fun, some fun with that with frames and that type of stuff. So I thought that was really cool. You have the ability to annotate them. You can put all kinds of custom frames on them and, uh, and just, you, you can even put QR codes on so people can actually uh, scan the printed photo to get the video that goes with the photo. Very cool. Looks like we're going to have to take another break. When we come back, we're going to talk about how a certain frequency of sound from a popular Janet Jackson song back in the day actually was able to crash hard drives. Just get connected here on the Course Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike and John here. We're Canada's number one tech radio program. This is a, a weird story, John, and I'm still trying to wrap my, my head around it. Um, some folks at Windows... Uh, product support uh, have discovered that certain hard drives made back in the day in the early 2000s, and these were 5400 RPM or revolutions per minute hard drives, would actually crash when a certain song was played. And that song was uh, Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation that came out in the 90s. And so uh, a particular computer manufacturer, they don't name who that is, 
uh, I guess in, in the labs, they discovered when they played that, it would actually crash the hard drive on that laptop. And if there was any other computers or laptops in, in the room that had that same hard drive, it would crash them as well. It's pretty crazy that an audio frequency can do that to a hard drive. But on the other hand, though, I'm kind of surprised we haven't seen more of this, or maybe we have, we just haven't been able to attribute it to a specific frequency. Um, you know, random crash crashes are, are still common even today, uh, even with SSDs that aren't physically moving. Um, but back in the day, how would you ever figure out that something playing in the background could actually crash your computer? Yeah, like who figured out it was the video doing it or the song doing well, it? It's the song doing it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and interestingly enough, I saw a TikTok the other day of a radio station, I think in Australia, that had a bunch of employees uh, with work laptops and they blasted the song in the studio and half the employees' laptops died because they had that original hard drive in it. So apparently the computer manufacturer back in the day put an audio filter into the into the computer that basically would take care of that problem. Yeah, instead of recalling all of those hard drives, which would have cost a fortune. <laughs> they, yeah. call, they call this a, br a brown noise because it's the... <laughs> There's certain tones that can make people basically go to the bathroom. Great. Yeah, and this is essentially what what happens to that hard drive. It's the hard, hard drive has a trouble um, and just uh, shuts off. So it wasn't totally clear to me. Like, does it kill the hard drive? That part I'm not clear on. Yeah. Is it just a crash or does it actually damage, physically damage the hard drive? I could see it maybe making the hard drive skip or, you know, um, lose uh, sync or whatever it's doing when it's actually moving the um, the the read head yeah. and then it's hearing this frequency. But I couldn't find any definitive answer as to whether or not this is actually a permanent death note, if you will, yeah. uh, to these hard drives or if it's just like, okay, well, it crashed, just reboot and you'll be fine. But it also might explain why just turning it on and off again, off and back on again, fixes a lot of things because you've basically crashed. And, you know, by then that song has probably moved on to the next song. <laughs> I, I, I still wonder how they, they made the correlation, though. Do you know what I mean? Like, between... Well, I wonder if the Microsoft engineer was just a big Janet Jackson fan. Yeah. It's also kind of funny that it's taken like what 15 years for them to figure this out. <laughs> How many people had bad hard drives in the in those 15 years that they couldn't figure out why? Yeah, and and again what essentially is happening that song has got some sort of frequency and you know they call it harmonic resonance uh would be the same as what that particular hard drive was spinning those platters, you know in the old hard drives and the new ones, it's basically platters inside them that are spinning at a really high rate. And, you know, they pack a lot of them in there. So it's a very precise kind of technology. Do you know what I mean? Like, so it's not a lot of room for any error or any, I guess, harmonic resonance <laughs> happening with the platters. So, Well, the other thing too that's kind of puzzling is 
this is inside a little metal case inside your laptop. Yeah. That music has to be pretty loud for those frequencies to even cut through all that. Well, what, yeah, what was surprising to me is that not only did it kill the hard drive on that particular computer, but it, it also would affect other computers around it, even yeah. if they were from a different computer manufacturer. As long as they had that same hard drive and that song was playing in the room, boom. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's one of those mysteries of the world. I wonder how, what Janet thinks about all this. <laughs> she probably got a nice bump in streaming of people trying to kill their hard drives. Yeah. And just people being reminded of that particular song and work. Okay. We're Did we actually say what the song was? Sorry? We didn't say what the song was. Yeah, Rhythm Nation. It's Rhythm Nation. Yeah. Yeah. A fun song. Yeah. It's a hard drive killer, though. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we're going to have to take uh, another quick bake, uh, break. When we come back, more tech to talk. Stay tuned. You're back with Get Connected, Mike and John here. You'll want to tune in tomorrow for our sister radio program, The App Show. I'm uh, on a little adventure right now. I'm actually down in New Orleans uh, for a big uh, tech conference called ZeroCon. And that's spelled X-E-R-O. Con, zero con. They're a, a big cloud uh, finance software provider. Uh, interesting. They're out of New Zealand of all places, and uh, they're kind of going up against the big accounting software firms like the Intuits, you know, with their QuickBooks and, and Sage with all their uh, their different uh, finance software packages. So uh, we're going to be talking uh, to some of the folks down there. So it should be uh, interesting. A uh, bit of a journey down here, John. You know, travel's still kind of a little bit crazy. Uh, got out of Vancouver, no problem. But, you know, there are no direct flights to New Orleans. So I had to stop in Denver. And, of course, <laughs> our connecting flight was delayed three hours, which wasn't too bad. Because you hear all the other horror stories out there right now. Yeah. And Denver's not a horrible airport to be stuck in. No, it, it was pretty good. The, the time went by uh, pretty quickly. But I'm using uh, the eSIM down here again. Yep. So uh, yep. all good. Uh, what is it? Aereo? Aero? I can't even pronounce the name of this thing. Air Alo. Air Alo. Yeah. So save money on some uh, roaming charges, which uh, is uh, pretty good. Uh, also on the app show tomorrow, we're going to be talking about a service. Uh, we've spoken about it before, Cameo. And this is kind of interesting, uh John, because Cameo would let you get pre-recorded messages uh, from some of your favorite uh, celebrities, but they've taken it to another level now. Yes, you can have a video call with that celebrity, a live video call. Crazy, eh? So if you love David Hasselhoff, you could have a like a 10-minute FaceTime call with him. Yeah. <laughs> Presumably, you could bring him into your Zoom work meeting if you wanted to. Oh my God, wouldn't that be funny? Yeah. And it's not as expensive as you might think. So stay tuned for that. I want to thank all the folks that helped put uh, Get Connected together. Of course, John, uh, my co-host and producer, and uh, Robin back at the studio. Don't forget to visit our website, getconnectedmedia.com. We'll see you again next time.